Hey everyone, this is Miss Akimoto with your next chapter of Threads. So yesterday, Yuming woke up and she was all alone on the wall. And so she started running around trying to find everyone and it really brought up kind of all of her emotions about being abandoned by her parents, by Bolin. Um, and she really, she can't really trust strangers. There was a kind couple that gave her 200 yuan, which to her was a lot of money. Um, and she wanted to tell them that she needed help but she realized what if they're like Mr. Zhang and once they realize I'm all alone they just you know kidnap me and she just realized that she couldn't trust anyone and we left with her feeling sort of like she was just a stone in a river like everyone was passing around her and she didn't really matter so let's see what happens next with Clara this is chapter 20 July 8th Beijing and Hebei province China Clara there's the Great Wall again, Dad announces from the front seat of the cab as we merge onto a busy, slow-moving highway. Through the window, I can see it winding across green hills in the distance. My eyes feel heavy and I want to close them, but I can't miss anything. This could be my chance to spot the factory. So it's like two hours to the temple? I ask. Seems like it, Mom says. And we're taking this highway all the way there? I ask. Mom smiles at me. What? I ask her. You're just growing up is all, she says, rubbing my knee. Yeah. I look away, thinking of Lola and how she won't be able to. I open my backpack in the inner compartment where I stash my city maps. I pull out one of the, one of the city's streets and stare at it, but I can't make sense of anything. Does anyone know where we are? I ask, holding the map out to Mom. Dad glances back at us and Mom takes it and turns it around a few times. In the rearview mirror, the cab driver looks back at me and says something in Chinese. I shrug. He reaches down as he drives and hands us a big folded map back to me. Thank you, I say. He says something else, but I have no idea what, so I just smile at him again before unfolding the giant map of Beijing. English? He says. Yes? I look down at the map. Oh, it's in English, I say. Thank you. That's great, Mom says, inching closer to me. She points to a green area at the bottom, labeled Chuijian Park. That's the park around the corner from the hotel, she says. I think we must be on Highway 612. With her finger, she traces the thick gray road that runs the length of the map. Yeah, Dad adds from the front seat. We are. That's what the hostess told me at the restaurant. I draw my finger up from the bottom of Beijing to the top. Can I see it for a sec? Mom asks and I hand her the map. Yeah, up here is the Dan Temple, she says, pointing. That's Sunma. Based on what the hostess said, there's a decent chance that the factory is somewhere near where we're headed. While mom and dad nap, I check the map for factories, but there aren't any indicated. I trace the highway on the map with my finger, looking up every minute or so to be sure I don't miss anything. The cab driver looks up at me in his rearview mirror from time to time. In the distance, I can see smokestacks, but I can't make out much about the buildings they're attached to. They're far away, but none appear to be pink. The haze thins out as we bounce along, and by the time we get off the highway, the air is clear. We drive through a tiny rundown village that I can't remember from last time, and then wind along a narrow road that runs through the hills until Sunma appears, like magic in front of us. Dan Temple stands on a hill in the center of the city. We're here. I whisper. Mom smiles at me. 
The cab driver pulls up next to the temple, across from a giant park. I unpeel my thighs from the vinyl seats. Mom has already folded the cab driver's map neatly and she hands it to me to return to him. Dad pays and he and Mom get out on the passenger side as I pass the map through the cab driver's window. He opens it back up and turns it around a few times like he's looking for something and then refolds it. He pushes it back toward me, smiling. You, he says, nodding. He points to an area that's now folded open to. Here. His eyes are twinkly and he seems like a grandpa, someone who lives with his kids and grandkids and tells everyone stories about what life was like when he was a boy. I don't know what to say, so I just point to myself. For me? He nods again. You. Thank you, I say, unzipping my backpack and putting it inside the big pocket. Thanks a lot. Yes. He starts to roll up the window, but then stops. Good luck on your journey. He closes the window all the way. I step back and he pulls away. I watch him go before I swing my backpack over my shoulders and walk over to mom and dad. What did he say to you? Dad asks. I smile to myself, just to have a good trip. He puts his arm around me and we walk toward the entrance of the temple. God, I remember these, Mom says, massaging her thighs as we climb the steep stone steps. This staircase is a doozy. Lola would have rolled her eyes at me and mouthed, doozy? Then she would have hugged Mom and raced me to the red-layered temple at the top. We would have waited there, panting, until Mom and Dad made it up. But now, I trudge along next to Mom and Dad. I think about the cab driver and how he wished me luck on my journey, as if he knew I was doing something important. I touch Yu Ming's photograph in my pocket. We could be so close to her. So let's get on it, Lola would say if she was here. You have to ask around again. The layers of the curved red roof reflect on the sky and make the area near the entrance to the temple glow in a weird pinkish light. A bunch of people are gathered around a tin trough watching sticks of incense burn. I hate the smell of it. Inside the temple, it's cool and musty smelling. Up ahead in the courtyard is the giant Buddha that Lola and I had giggled at two years ago. I remember again, skipping around with her. Only step on the stones, Clara, she had warned. The cracks mean certain death. I wander over to the statue, mom and dad following. Three beggars are sitting near the Buddha, who doesn't look as funny to me anymore, only happy and kind. Lola really liked this place, dad says. I turn to him. He's gazing up at the arched roof, around the stone columns, and into open doorways to gardens and hills. A few tour groups file into the temple behind us, and gradually people fan out around us. Soon the courtyard is filled with the sounds of footsteps and whispers. Mom looks at me. She loved the little ponds out back with the koi fish, and also the rock garden, she reminds me. But she doesn't need to. I get what she's hinting at and I touch the round box of ashes in my pocket for a second. I know, I say, looking away. The idea of throwing Lola's ashes into a pond of fish is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Why would I ever do that if what I want is to have Lola right here with me where she belongs? Anyway, those goldfish aren't the reason Lola loved the pond. We walk around slowly, while mom and dad study the building, I look at the smaller Buddha statues lining the walls. 
Dad is much quieter than he was last time we were here, and his shoulders are stooped. It's like the black hole is just a step behind him. Two years ago, he was completely obsessed with the architecture. He kept pointing out the use of color and the perspective and the different historical influences. Lola and I got sick of hearing about it all. Dad took loads of pictures for a social studies class while we moaned. I was starving and my feet were killing me. I remember it so clearly. I'm dying, Lola said, stumbling into me, practically pushing me into a passing tourist. We start laughing. We apologize, Mom called to the person before turning to us. Girls, we're dying of boredom, I told her. Dying, Lola emphasized. Okay, Mom said. We'll meet you in front of the giant Buddha in 30 minutes. Not one minute later, okay? Lola and I looked at each other. For real? Lola asked. I think we can trust you, Mom said. You have to stay inside the temple. No going out into the gardens. And obviously stay together. I looked at my watch and we skipped off. We jumped from stone to stone. We walked from one corner of the temple to the other, never touching a crack in the floor. We made fun of mom and dad and their obsession with architecture. Lola tugged me over to a wall where there was a C-shaped crack in the stone. Come here now, Claire Bear, she said, imitating dad and pretending to snap a photo. Look at the perspective the artist used to craft the intricate design. Do you see the C-shape of this piece of work? What do you think it might be a symbol of? We laughed and laughed. How much time do we have? Lola finally asked me. Like 20 minutes. Hide and seek? She said sneakily. Mom and Dad will kill us, I said. We're supposed to stay together. She grinned at me, looked around, and shrugged. I'll hide first, she announced. And before I could say anything, she was gone. I turned in a circle, searching the crowd for Lola's face. No one paid me any attention. They just walked around me as if I were a rock. Ooh, there's that thing again. Remember Yuming in the last chapter talked about how she felt like she was just a rock sitting in the middle of a river as all the water rushed around her. And now Claire is talking about how the last time she was in the temple, she felt like she was just a rock sitting there and people were just wandering around and didn't notice her at all. So again, there's those parallel perspectives for our characters. Must mean something. Somehow they're connected. I pushed through the tourists and the Chinese worshippers and made my way over to a wall where there were fewer people, so at least I could walk faster. I looked at my watch. I had 15 minutes to find Lola. I ran from one end of the temple to the other. A guard in a red shirt tapped me on the shoulder and sternly shook his finger at me. No to run, he said. I ignored him, even though what he'd said would normally make me smile. I went over to where mom and dad had been looking at a small statue, but they weren't there anymore. I sprinted to the giant Buddha. Maybe Lola was hiding somewhere around it. But I only saw a group of tourists taking pictures as a different guard held up a sign warning them not to use the flash. I made my way toward the front doors, but Lola was nowhere to be found. My heart was racing and I was trying not to cry. I knew she was just playing, but I was so mad. I hated her in that moment. What a stupid idea. She never even asked me if I wanted to play, and I didn't. And she was gone. 
I ran to the back of the temple hoping I'd see mom and dad, but also hoping I wouldn't, so at least I could find Lola first. I checked my watch. Less than 10 minutes left. Through the open doorways, people wandered around a balcony overlooking the hills. I was scared to step out of the temple. Mom had said to stay inside, but I had to see if Lola was hiding on the balcony. Over by the edge, there was a beggar sitting on a mat, selling sticks of incense. A family of tourists was getting their picture taken with the mountains in the background. The beggar was asking them for money, and they were ignoring him. I leaned over the railing and looked down at the garden below. And that's when I saw Lola. She was sitting on a stone bench next to one of the ponds, completely out in the open. I felt like punching her for running away from me or shoving her right into the pond. What kind of hiding place was that anyway? If Lola was going to make me run all over that stupid temple frantically searching for her, trying not to cry, she could have at least found someplace awesome to hide. Then I realized she wasn't hiding. She was watching. There was a Chinese family across the pond from her, a mom and a dad and a baby girl. The little girl had a ponytail on the top of her head, a sprout of hair sticking straight up. It reminded me of Lola's hair in our first picture of her. The baby was squatting by the pond, reaching for the fish in the water as her mom held the back of her jacket so she wouldn't fall in. The father was taking pictures of them. Then the dad handed the, his camera to another tourist so he could join his wife and the baby in a photo. The baby reached out for her father and he took her in his arms and kissed her on the cheek. He and his wife stood side by side each smiling down at their daughter as the tourists snapped their picture. Lola was watching it all, and I didn't feel mad at her anymore. Someone came up right behind me and I turned around to find Dad. He and Mom must have seen me standing there, peering down at Lola. The Chinese family put their baby into a stroller and left before Mom, Dad, and I joined Lola in the garden. When we sat down on the bench with her, she remained still as stone. Mom and Dad never asked us why we weren't together, and they never yelled at us for not meeting them at the Buddha statue inside. We just sat there together, not saying anything, watching the sun get lower and lower in the hazy sky over the hills. That's the end of the chapter. What do you think Lola was thinking when she was sitting there and watching that family? Because remember, the reason why they're in China on the first trip was because they adopted Lola from China and they wanted her to see the place she was born. So what do you think she was thinking about? You know, the book really is about Clara and Yuming and how they sort of feel abandoned by the people in their lives. But I bet Lola really felt abandoned too sometimes. You know, it has to be really hard to be adopted and not know why your family wasn't able to keep you. Anyway, just some things to consider. I hope you enjoyed. Come back next week to find out what happens next.